You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 1, we started a couple weeks ago. We're, we're kind of wrapping up the uh, series on Jeremiah. We've been in this series for a long time. And uh, I don't think it would be right to just to end abruptly. I want to end with some lessons that we can learn from the life of Jeremiah. We saw some lessons from the life of Zedekiah, and those are things you don't want to do. We talked about how that he, uh, he lost his family, he lost his vision, he lost uh, his kingdom, he lost uh, the nation because of his choices, and he lived a life of regret. Well, we started talking uh, last week about some lessons from the life of Jeremiah, And the first lesson we talked about last week is the lesson and the message that you can't quit. Just stay faithful. And if if Jeremiah could be faithful for 50 years in ministry with really no results, really without seeing any converts, you know, we will have missionaries that will come back and sometimes missionaries will give a report from a country like the Philippines or a place like that where they are seeing people saved all the time. Well, then you'll get some missionaries that come back from places like Russia, places like China, and they'll say, you know, we went a whole year and we had one convert. Well, can I tell you, if one person gets saved, it's worth it all. But whether people get saved or not, that does not change the fact that we have a responsibility to be faithful to God. Now, I thank the Lord, uh, our our Sundays, by, by the way, for a Wednesday night, it's an amazing crowd on a Wednesday night. Of course, the teens are out now and the children are out and all the workers are out. But can I tell you, if two people came on Wednesday night, I'd still have a responsibility to preach and to be faithful. And by the way, maybe you're teaching a Sunday school class or maybe you're working in a bus ministry or maybe uh, you're, you're working in, in some ministry or maybe you've got something that you, uh, you've been doing and you're not seeing the results from it. Well, can I tell you, we want results and we pray for results, but ultimately it is us that plant and water, but it is God that gives the increase. That's up to him. The results are up to God. And so Jeremiah was faithful. He didn't see the results down here, but uh, I believe that there's a very likely possibility that it was Jeremiah's faithfulness and Jeremiah's preaching that enabled a young man by the name of Daniel to have great courage while he was in Babylon as a captive. I wonder if Daniel, I wonder if he ever met Jeremiah. I wonder if he had heard reports of Jeremiah from his father and from his his family. And then he gets to Babylon and he says, hey, if Jeremiah can be faithful for all those years, I can take a stand for God here in Babylon. But number one, don't quit. Just be faithful. Stick with it. Don't throw in the towel. Number two, we said last week, is that we must trust God. You, you've got to depend on God every day. As uh, Brother Walter and Brother Ricky uh, uh, sang and played that song, we need the Lord every hour. Now, what's, what's unfortunate is sometimes when things are going smooth, we start to think that we've got it all figured out. By the way, it's not just true in, in ministry. It's not, it doesn't just happen to a pastor, although it happens to a pastor. It happens to a Sunday school teacher. But did you know it can happen to you as a parent? You think, you know what, I'm a pretty good parent. I think I got this thing figured out. And every once in a while, the Lord will give you a reminder, no, you don't have it figured out. And your children will do something so crazy and off the wall, you're trying to figure out what in the world was going through their brain. 
And you know what that is? It's a reminder that we need the Lord. And we've got to pray for our children. We've got to pray for our family. We've got to pray for God to give us wisdom and for God to do a miracle. Uh, it's not just true with your children. It's true with the marriage. Can I tell you, don't ever, don't ever coast in your marriage. Uh, don't ever just think, you know, we got it all figured out. Everything's fine, you know, blah, blah. No, no, no. You, in your marriage, in me, in my marriage, we need the Lord. And uh, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. I, I think we, we, could talk, uh, we could talk politics a long time uh, after church. I won't talk about it in church right now um, for, for obvious reasons. But you know, this last election that took place, all that we've experienced with COVID, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I believe it's all under God's control. I don't believe anything caught God by surprise. But I'll tell you one thing. I think that the Lord has allowed some of these things to happen, to wake us up and to make us realize that our hope is not in a president and our hope is not in an, an economy and our hope is not in uh, the red, white, and blue, although I love this country. And I thank the Lord for the United States of America. I'm proud to be an American. And uh, I'm thankful for the privilege I have to live in this country. But my hope is not in this country. And my hope is not in this world and in this life. My hope is in Christ. And maybe that's what God did just to remind us that we need Him every day. And so we learned last week the, the message there is to trust God. And uh, God made some promises to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. And God kept those promises, and he'll keep his promises for you also. Number three, let's pick up to, uh, tonight in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. Here's another lesson I believe we can learn from the life of Jeremiah. And that is the lesson of preaching the word of God. Now, now don't tune me out. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I understand that. But do you realize that preaching, it takes two for it to be effective? You see, I can get up here and I can preach till I am blue in the face. I can stand on my head and I can spit wooden nickels and I can do all kinds of crazy stuff. But if you're not listening and if you're not receiving the message, then it's, it's not accomplishing what God wanted and what God had determined for it to accomplish. Now, I understand the power is not in the preacher. And the power is not even in the listener, but the power is in the word of God. But we have a responsibility to receive the word of God as it is preached. Notice Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 9. I think this right here, this verse, may be one of the best explanations in all the Bible of what preaching actually is. It says in verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And boy, we need a touch of God on our mouths. And sometimes the touch of God, I think, would be this. Don't say it. Keep your mouth shut. Sometimes that's the touch we need. But we need the touch of God on our mouth so that we'll say what needs to be said and how it needs to be said and when it needs to be said. And Jeremiah needed the touch of God. He said, verse 9, The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. That's what preaching is. It's God's words in my mouth. I'm not up here tonight to tell you what Jeremy Coburnat thinks. I'm not here to tell you what the independent Baptist movement thinks. I'm not up here to tell you what the poll said when I went around and asked everybody what they thought. Can I tell you, none of that stuff even matters. 
What matters is what God has said, and it's God's words in my mouth. And by the way, every time you stand up to teach a class or every time you lead and, and parents, as you lead your children, you ought to pray that God would put his words in your mouth, that you can deliver the message. That's what Jeremiah did. He preached God's message. I won't take the time, but we could go through every message that Jeremiah preached and it starts by saying, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah saying, or thus saith the Lord. And Jeremiah just simply repeated what God had told him to say. That's what preaching is. You see, it was God's message. It wasn't Jeremiah's message. It was God's message for his people. Jeremiah was the delivery boy. He wasn't the editor of the newspaper. He was just the one that was delivering it to the doorstep and saying, I've got some news for you from God. Jeremiah preached to people even when the message was not popular. Now, I thank the Lord for Victory Baptist Church, and I thank the Lord for a whole host of people that are hungry for the Word of God and hungry for truth. And, and, and by the way, if you weren't hungry for truth, you wouldn't keep coming. I guarantee you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you weren't hungry for the truth of the Word of God. But I thank the Lord for that. But there may come a day when it's not like that. There may come a day when people begin to tune it out and maybe even people that you've known and people you've loved and people you've respected. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What matters is that it's God's Word. And if it's God's Word, we need to obey and we need to receive it. We see in 2 Timothy, if you'll turn over there with me, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul warned Timothy, who was his, his preacher boy. He was his uh, uh, son in the faith. But he warned Timothy. He said, Timothy, there's coming a day when people are not going to like the truth. I think we're in that day today, not here at this church, but I think in our nation, in our world, I think we're in that day. But it says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. That means when it's popular and when it's not popular. When people love it and when they don't love it. Be instant, be ready, in season, out of season. And then notice this. He says, Timothy, as you're preaching the word, you must reprove and you must rebuke and you must exhort. Now, there's three, three descriptions there of what preaching is. Preaching is reproving. Preaching is rebuking and preaching is also exhorting. By the way, if all I ever did was just told you all the things you're doing wrong, that's not Bible preaching. But if all I do is tell you what you're doing right, that's not Bible preaching either. It takes reproving, rebuking, exhorting with all long-suffering and doctrine. As preachers, we need to be patient with people. As Sunday school teachers, we need to be patient with people. And you say, well, I just don't understand why they don't get it. Well, I'm glad God was patient with me. And I'm glad God still is patient with me. And, and show some of that to somebody else once in a while. You know, they're not the super Christian like you are, and they don't have it all together like you do, perhaps. But, but show some patience. 
But then notice this, the preaching is to be done with all long-suffering and doctrine. The doctrine is the truth of the Word of God. That doesn't change. That's not up for debate. That's not based on public opinion. The doctrine is the truth of the Word of God. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, I had always heard this preached, or I shouldn't say I'd heard it preached. I always, I always took it to mean that the people in the pews, they were going to have itching ears. And the people in the pews wanted the preachers just to tickle their ears and just tell them what they want to hear. But that's not what this says. This says in verse number three that it will be the teachers that have itching ears. You know what that is? That is people that only want to preach and only want to teach what's popular because if they'll preach what everybody wants to hear, then people will tell them how great they are. And can I tell you, it, it is, it's, it's encouraging when you get done preaching a message and somebody says you did a good job. But can I tell you, it's, it's not all that exciting when you preach against sin and you, you preach the Bible and uh, you preach against alcohol and you preach against immorality and you preach against cussing and you preach against swearing and you preach against sin and, and, and you know, you know there's some people squirming and you know there's some people that don't like it. Can I tell you, it's a whole lot easier just to preach what people want to hear. But if a preacher loves you, and if a preacher truly loves the Lord, that preacher is going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not, because what helps and what makes the difference is the truth, the doctrine of the Word of God. So even if you're not coming up and patting me on the back, I have a responsibility to preach the truth to you. But then notice verse 4, what happens. The teachers, they have itching ears. And then the next thing you know, you have both teachers and listeners that have completely turned their ears away from the truth. And they are turned to fables. Now, can I tell you, a fable is not true. A fable is all made up. A fable is just, you know, whatever you think, whatever I think, we'll just come up with something we like. But we don't have, we don't have fables to tell We've got the truth of the Word of God that needs to be preached. And so we have a responsibility to preach it, but we have a responsibility to receive it. Now, now I want you to hear me out on this. The true test comes when there is something that happens in your life where you've got to get right with the Word of God and you've got to come to grips with the reality that you have sinned and you are not right with God. That's when we find out whether or not you can take it. Anybody can take it when they're sitting on a pew. Anybody can take it sitting in church. But what happens when you are confronted with your sin? How about children? Children, and my, uh, my wife used to say this, that her mom would always say, it's easy to have a good attitude when everything's going your way, right? So what happens when somebody hurts you? What happens when somebody lies about you? What happens when somebody stabs you in the back? What happens when somebody that you loved and you looked up to 
they throw in the towel and they walk out on God. Then, then you're going to find out, and then I'm going to find out if we are really committed to the truth and if we're really committed to the Lord or if we're just committed to an outcome. And I want to tell you this, we've got to get grounded to the truth. And even when it steps on our toes, even when it, it ruffles our feathers, we've got to stay committed to the truth and receive it correctly. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1. I will, I will tell you, we've got some good news here. Um, Brother Nathan, I don't know if the Lord led him or if church members led him or who, but he got a brand new clock up there that uh, is so bright. If we put it out in the parking lot, you could see it at Walmart. I mean, it's great. So I don't have that trouble finding that clock anymore. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Here's what Paul said. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. Can I remind you that preaching is not popular in the world today. As a matter of fact, many people have gotten away from preaching. Many people have gone to everything is a musical, everything is a drama, uh, everything is just strictly teaching. Uh, boy, we've got some now that everything's going to, uh, to small groups and all those things. And by the way, I'm not against having a small group Bible study. I'm not against having a drama. I'm not ha against having a musical. I'm not against having Bible studies and those things. But can I tell you, those things should never take the place of preaching. And God has chosen preaching. It seems foolish to the world. But the Bible says to us which are saved, it's the power of God. I hope you never get tired of preaching. Now, there'll be some times where, you know, I'll drive you crazy. I'll, I'll say something or I'll have some kind of a mannerism or I'll repeat some, you know, little saying and that'll bother you or whatever. But can I tell you, you ought to, and I ought to desire the preaching because that's where the power of God is in our lives. It's God's plan for his people preaching. Jeremiah, number one, we said don't quit. Number two, trust God. Number three, preach the word. But number four, I'd like to say this, lessons from the life of Jeremiah. Number four is we should have compassion. Remember, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Turn with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. And uh, there are several passages in Jeremiah that make it very clear he was the weeping prophet. But I think probably one of the greatest reasons he's called the weeping prophet is he wrote an entire book called the Book of Lamentations. And in that book, he wept over the destruction of Jerusalem. By the way, that was after the fact. Now, some of us, we would weep before and say, oh, we're praying that this nation would come back to God. But Jeremiah, he wept before and he wept after. After Jerusalem was destroyed, he said, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe that this has happened. Uh, the, how doth the city uh, sit solitary that was once full of people? He couldn't believe that his city, Jerusalem, was destroyed. But look at Jeremiah 9, verse 1. It says, Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He said, 
honestly, he said, I could just weep all day. I could weep all night. Because I see the condition of my people. I can see that they've turned their back on God. I can see that they're experiencing the judgment of God because of their sin. Turn with me to Lamentations. We won't read uh, the whole book, obviously. But I want to show you a few, few verses in Lamentations. It's right after the book of Jeremiah. And look at Lamentations 1 and verse number 12. Again, this is Jeremiah witnessing the destruction of Jerusalem after the Babylonians came. And it says in verse 12, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. It's like Jeremiah's going around, it's like he's shaking people and saying, Hey, doesn't this bother you? Doesn't this break your heart to see that Jerusalem has been destroyed and judged by God because of their sin. Look at verse number 16. Jeremiah says, For these things I weep. Mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Wow. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 48. Lamentations 3, 48. Jeremiah says, uh, mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Verse 51, mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Can I tell you one way that you can get compassion is you can look around and start seeing the needs of people. You know why we've got people who teach Sunday school classes around here? You know why we have people that run buses around here? You know why we got people that go out and knock on doors and give out the gospel to people? It's because there's some compassion from seeing that there are people all around us that are lost and don't know Jesus Christ. Sometimes you got to get out of your routine. You got to get out of just your, your people that you work with and just the people that you come to church with. And you need to walk down the street sometime and go up to a door. You need to go up to that door and you need to see in that door... Just see the beer cans everywhere. You need to, to see the condition that people live in. And sometimes, unfortunately, you'll see a child come to the door and it looks like they're probably not very well taken care of. Looks like they've got a rough home life. Talk to some of these bus children that come in and they don't have a home. They don't have a family. And all of a sudden, it's like God begins to speak to your heart and say, hey, who's going to help these people? Who's going to make a difference? for These are the people that Jesus came and died for. I remember years ago, I was in Illinois, and I don't, I don't know if Joanna and I, I don't think we were married yet. I think I was back in one of the summers working with my dad, and we were getting ready to go out soul winning. And as we were going out soul winning, it was a weird, it was a strange thing there at that building there in Geneseo, but there was these little baby bunny rabbits that I don't know what happened, but something had disturbed their little nest. They were tiny little rabbits, probably like that big. And they're hopping around the churchyard. And we're getting in the van. We're getting ready to go out soul winning. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this big old crow comes flying in and snatches up one of those bunnies. And I remember we're all like, oh, no, you know, the poor bunny. And literally, we were. And I remember seeing that, and I remember thinking, oh, man, you know, I think a couple of people got out. We're like, what are we going to do with these rabbits or whatever? And, and, and literally, it was like, that is so sad. But I remember as we were going out, 
for the purpose of soul winning, for the purpose of giving out the gospel. I remember thinking, you know, I wonder if sometimes we're more concerned with the baby bunnies than we are with the souls of men and women and boys and girls that if they don't get saved, they're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. And I want to tell you, say, you believe that, Pastor? I believe that as sure as I'm standing here. I think, it's, I think it's interesting that Jesus preached more on the subject of hell than he did on the subject of heaven. I think the reason for that is because Jesus wanted us to make sure we understood that hell is a real place and somebody's got to get a burden. Somebody's got to have compassion. Jeremiah had compassion for his people because they'd gotten away from God. I think we need to have compassion for the lost. I think we need to have compassion for the backslidden. I think we need to have compassion for our young people. I think we need to have compassion on people that are hurting. But don't lose your compassion. Jude 22, the Bible says, And of some, having compassion, making a difference. Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. It broke the heart of Jesus to see that his people, they were scattered abroad as sheep that had no shepherd. They had no direction. They had no purpose in life. I, see, I think a lesson from Jeremiah is a lesson of compassion. But then let me give you the last lesson and we'll be done. And that is the lesson of balance. Now, remember what we said about Jeremiah. We said that Jeremiah and Jesus were compared. Remember when, Peter, uh, when Jesus asked the disciples, he said, Who, whom do men say that I am? They said, well, some people say you're Jeremiah. And some say you're, you're, you're one of the prophets. And, and, and then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, to me, could you imagine what that was like to hear somebody say, you know, this Jesus, he reminds us of that prophet Jeremiah. Well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be amazing if people would see something in us that reminded them of Jesus? Wouldn't that be good if we had some qualities and some characteristics that people say, I saw Jesus in your life? Well, Jeremiah, I think one of the reasons that he and Jesus were compared like that, of course, there's no comparison. We know that there's nobody like Jesus. But I think one of the reasons is that Jeremiah was a man of compassion, just like Jesus was a man of compassion. You see, both Jesus and Jeremiah preached the message even when people did not like it. Jeremiah was persecuted. Jesus was crucified. Both were hated. Both were rejected. Both Jesus and Jeremiah appeared to be failures in the world's eyes. Now think about that. Jesus at the end of his life in ministry, he's hanging on a cross and his disciples have all forsook him and fled. And as he's hanging on the cross, he does look down and he sees his mother there. And he sees John there, but all, everybody else is gone. You know, in the world's eyes, Jesus' ministry was not a success. <laughs> now, how many of you know that Jesus' ministry was a success? It was absolutely a success. But in the world's eyes, people would say, no, he didn't have a big church, didn't have a lot of converts, even his disciples didn't stick with him. I want to tell you, Jesus had a ministry that has impacted this world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He, he established the church, and I'm glad that the church of Jesus Christ lives on today. But Jesus and Jeremiah both appeared 
to be failures, but they stayed at it. They stayed faithful. They finished their course. Both wept over their nation. Jeremiah wept over Judah. Jesus wept over his people that had, had turned their back on him. I think we could say about Jesus and Jeremiah that they both had balance. Can I tell you, this is a whole series in and of itself, and I won't get into it in depth. But you know, one of the secrets of the Christian life is to maintain balance. The Bible says that Jesus, John 1, he was full of grace and truth. Sometimes we go to one extreme or the other. I've known people that everything was grace, everything was grace, everything was grace, and they didn't have truth. And then I've known some people that, boy, they, everything was truth, and it was, you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do that, and there was no grace. Well, guess what? You need to have both, grace and truth. The Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. Jesus had balance. You know, there's a balance in the Christian life. You've got to hate sin, but you've got to love God. There's a balance in the Christian life that you need to be separate from the world, but that's not the end. Then you got to be sanctified unto Christ and, and set apart for Christ. There's a balance in the Christian life that you need to sit at the feet of Jesus, but then you also need to serve. And both are important. I'll give you this example. In sports, you could have a great offense, but if you don't have a defense, you're probably not going to win very many games. How about this in life? How many of you know it's important to save money? Yeah, I don't see very many hands up. We know it, but most of us don't do it, right? But how many of you know that if all you do is save, that's probably not the answer. And if all you do is spend, we know that's not the answer. But there's a balance, right? There's a balance in your life. There's a balance in mine. We ought to love God. How many of you think we ought to love God? Absolutely. But did you also know we're supposed to love one another? Do you know that you can't say, oh, I love God, and then you just neglect your family? That's not balance. But you also can't say, well, I'm just going to spend all my time with my family and I have no time for God. No, there's a balance there. There must be a balance. You say, well, well, well how do you get a balance? <laughs> Every single day. You get in this book right here and you say, Lord, please teach me today. And every single day you get on your knees and say, Lord, help me today. And then there's some days where you feel like I'm doing pretty good in this area. And then you say, but I'm not doing good in this area. So what do you do? You work on that. And, and, and it's, it's like, have you ever seen the guy that's, uh, that's, that's juggling or, or spinning the plates on the fingers and on the toes and all that stuff? You know what he's constantly doing? He's constantly spinning them. You spin this one, spin this one, you spin this one, you spin this one, and you keep them all going. Say, Pastor, I'm, I'm worn out and I can't even keep one plate going. Well, join the crowd. Guess what we need? We need the Lord every hour. And with His help and with His strength, you and I, we can have balance if we'll walk with God. Boy, He'll keep you in balance. He'll keep you in check. But may God help us to have a life of balance. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.